0: Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D, and you can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D.
1: And I'm Tim Capper. You can also find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode of the podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sport Buff, where if you use the promo code flightdeck-tan at checkout, you will save 10% on your entire order. Head over to sportbuffshop.com, use the code save 10% and enjoy your new
0: merch. All right. And of course, the Aloitz Flight Deck is all over social media. You can follow us on Twitter at deck on Instagram at Aloettz Flight Deck, on Facebook, find us at Facebook.com slash flight Deck Pod. And don't forget our merch store is open at teespring.com slash stores slash al's Flight Deck. And be sure to follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Deck.
1: Yes, sir. And for the final time of the regular season, we want to congratulate David Delaire for winning the pair of Sport Buffshof flight crew seats for the home finale. It's a home finale already, clearly. A home finale between the Alouettes and the Argos this Saturday afternoon it is going to be a great game weather looks nice so far flyovers to scare everybody uh sj green a lot we have a lot to talk about obviously this show and um Mm -hmm. but we are planning uh we have plans to bring back these flight crew seats for the 2023 season Stay tuned for more information uh, because, you know what, Cliff, it was a very successful year, and we do want to thank our, our friends over at, uh, at Sportbuff for uh, helping us offer these seats.
0: Oh, absolutely, and it was so exciting being able to give away a pair of tickets to a game at Percival Molson Stadium for each and every home game, folks. I mean, that that's awesome. Like The fact that we were able to do that and we got so much great participation from the contest, we salute all of our winners. Uh, we appreciate everybody that took the time to not only enter the contest, but also shared the links and let everybody else know so that we can get more people interested and get them interested in the flight deck as well. It, it was amazing. So it, it was an awesome partnership with sport Buff to be able to give away these seats. And we are definitely looking forward to doing that again in
1: 2023. Yes, sir. Uh, well, we can finally say playoffs, playoffs, <laughs> <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> Don't talk to me
0: about playoffs. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's let's talk about playoffs let's for the talk about third the year in a row. Sorry, yeah. the third season in a row. Yeah, I should she- say there was that little hiccup in 2020, but uh, yes, for the third season in a row, the
1: Montreal Alouettes are Grey Cup playoff bound. That's right, but we're just not stuck in second place currently. With two weeks remaining in the in the current CFL schedule, the Alouettes are four points behind the Toronto Argonauts. And we play the Toronto Argonauts for the next two games, so there's a very good possibility of the Alou- if the Alouettes sweep this series, we will host the Eastern semifinal for the first time. And I, I didn't look it up, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're going game to game, right? We are going game to game,
0: right? Uh, you mean the Eastern final we'd be hosting? Uh, sorry, what did I say? Semifinal. We uh, well, we we oh, could yeah. host that.
1: Yes, yeah. Eastern, oh, sorry, we, we I, do I no actually,
0: worse than to host it. Yes,
1: I meant to say the Eastern semifinal or the Eastern final. There we go. That's what I meant to say. So,
0: right. Uh, in any event, folks, what that means is there will be a playoff game in Montreal. We mm-hmm. don't know what day what the day is. We don't know who will be playing, but you can you can set your watch to it. You can write it down in your your agenda or whatever it is that you use to keep time or track of events or anything like that. There will be a playoff game at Percival Molson Stadium, and that's great. that yeah. is really, really great that's right
1: and, and obviously Cliff and I want to give a shout out to that certain so that certain person who was able to give us uh uh the tickets to the game in Ottawa. so your flight crew buddies were in Ottawa this past week, and Cliff and I have a, uh, seem to have a pretty good record as of late going just to the game ourselves in ottawa so over the past couple of seasons so um yeah, uh, yeah yeah you
0: you and i together are currently undefeated at tv place
1: mm-hmm. so far so good. separately
0: no but, to, but yeah. together once you and i going uh you know to represent the flight deck among other things and support the alouettes you and i are three and over right now
1: mm-hmm. yes that's sir. pretty awesome yep and we got to see a pretty good game didn't start off uh, you know it didn't start off <sighs> it as well as we wanted it to uh you know it, to and to their credit you know, this is not the same Ottawa Red Blacks team that we saw back in TD Place all those weeks ago. It, it wasn't. Um, obviously, this is a different team, too, because of the change in head coach. Uh, they seem to be, you know, a different quarterback, etc. cetera. But the Alouettes were able to squeak out a 34-30 win. I think one of the funniest comments on social media, Cliff, was, uh, I didn't expect this game to hit 60. <laughs> and sure enough, it did. Um, the Owls seem to be able to right the, their ship, especially on defense, and be able to hold uh, the Red Blacks only six points in the se- in the second half and uh, come away with that four-point win and, again, clinch that playoff spot.
0: Yeah, it's just unfortunate the Red Blacks scored 24 points in the first half, but I guess, uh, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> But uh, you talk about, like, a real seesaw matchup. Like, I think both teams were motivated. Like, I I, we'd said this uh, last week, is that, you know, we we hope that the Alouettes were motivated and inspired by the fact that they couldn't close it at home. They could have gotten that playoff nod at home in front of their fans against these Red Blacks. Mm -hmm. But instead, they got embarrassed. And I think they took that with them to TD Place. I think they realized that and... You could tell that they. Re- it took them a little while to get going, but I mean, it was it was just one of those games where both teams, I think, really truly wanted to win for different reasons, and it, it turned into a very entertaining all overall a very entertaining game for in, in lots of in lots of uh, areas. I mean, it was just uh, one of those games that you know you want your team to win, whether you're a Red Blacks fan or an Alouettes fan, you want your team to win. There's no question about that. But it, it just turned into one of those matches that when it was all said and done, you lo- you sit, look back and you say. That was pretty damn entertaining.
1: Mm -hmm. No, it was. And and I, you know, I think the most frustrating part for me was, it was in that first half where it just seemed that the Alouette's defense could not stop uh, our, you know, Nick Arbuckle and the Ottawa Red Blacks offense. It was just, especially their first two touchdowns, which were basically that second one was, you know, dropped on a dime was perfect. Even with the Alouette's, you know, defender there, Uh, the first touchdown, you know, uh, it looked like the, the Alouette's defender slipped, but the problem is, is that they were scoring. That's the thing. They were scoring and it was just, you know, that first half was, was dicey. This fourth quarter itself was even dicier. Um, but, you know, I, again, as I said before, they, they, they were able to write the ship and do what they needed in order to, to, to get this win and, and leave T, uh, TD place with a win.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've said it numerous times. It's, they don't ask how; they ask by how many. And I mean, Montreal did what they had to do. That's really what it came down to. At the end of the day, they got the win, which is the most important thing. Ugly as hell, but I mean, they made it happen. But man, I mean, it's just—you know—you want entertaining football. We we we've discussed this numerous times, and we obviously wanted Montreal to win so they can finally get in that play, get that playoff berth, know, knowing full well that they would be hosting a home playoff game no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where getting there was not half the fun. It just felt like oh, back and forth, and just you start doubting, you start you, you start starting to think like maybe they just don't have it. Maybe they really don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Maybe they don't they don't have what it takes. But then things start to fall into place, and you know they just, they they seem to figure it out. It, it's kind of maddening at times, you know, because you you just don't know what to make of this team. But I mean, you can't argue with the results. <laughs> I think that's really what it comes down to: is you just can't argue with the results. They got the W. They got the X next to their name, and now, now they know what their goal is. Now, you know, you take it one day at a time, or one week at a time. You know, go one and O every week. That's right. That's the that's the, mon- that's the mantra. And now, now you know what's what's at stake. You you're playing the Toronto Argonauts for the next two weeks at a home and home series. And simple, win both games, you're hosting the Eastern final. You lose one of those games, you're hosting the Eastern semifinal. And then you got to win that to go back to Toronto and try again in order to get to the Great Cup. That's I right. mean, it, it's—I don't want to say Montreal controls their own destiny, but in some senses they do. They—they they know what they have to do now. It's just they got to win. They got to win again. Go one and zero again this week, and then we'll worry about next week. But it, yeah, that is that is the goal right now.
1: It's funny, such early in the game, w- is it possible to call the uh, the massive forced fumble by Thomas Costigan and then the the scoop and score by Darius Pickett? Uh, midway through the first was it's, it was one of the turning points of that first quarter, so, uh, and her and first half actually.
0: Of uh, I i would have a hard time saying that just because again Ottawa scored, the uh, scoop and score happened, and then Ottawa scored again, and then it just came down to like field goals for that first half for Montreal, and you're not you you are not going to beat this Red Blacks team with field goals not the way that they were sitting not with this uh, renewed energy of theirs and uh, the fact that they, you could tell they really wanted to win again for Bob dice they, mm-hmm. they were they want they really wanted to put on put out for him but again that that second half like adjustments were made and this team was finally starting to figure it out the Alouettes were starting to figure out okay you got to take advantage of the opportunities when they're there and I think in the second half they got it figured out obviously they they understood what needed to be done and chipped away at the lead and they just kept making it work and but also too Ottawa simply refused to roll over and die like yeah. they, they they made the Alouettes earn this victory i mean this was not a walk in the park by oh, no, any no no no
1: no but but my my thought to that to my comment there cliff really is is that if we don't have the scoop and score by Pickett, okay we we end the we potentially end the first quarter at a 14 to 3 lead a, a deficit Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you when adding the 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 Fletcher touchdown, the gorgeous Fletcher touchdown by the way, in the second quarter, you uh, know, to take that yeah. away we're we're down by fourteen, not seven. so that that's kind of what I meant it it even though you know even though they did as well as they did, you know on that first drive, being able to get points in that manner was huge. Mm-hmm. it really really was so I mean that that really was my point but I mean it's uh it was it was one of the big plays of that first half but obviously the big play obviously goes to uh uh goes to uh, you know Walter Fletcher friend of the pod who uh you know by the way if you happen to miss his, his interview go check out our, our archive over at aowitz uh, flight it's there um, oh yeah but and he
0: and he just I think he had it, probably his best professional football game mm-hmm. and he was doing it all like whether it was running the ball or catching the ball, scoring touchdowns—I uh, mean, he—he he was all over the place. He—he he was uh he was playing like his hair was on
1: fire. Yeah, and by the way, and remember how we were looking at the because when they were doing the replay, when it was being you know challenged so to speak or verifying that Fletcher didn't step out of bounds, mm-hmm. that one view that they showed at TD placed on the screens was very misleading because you and I both said that there are other angles. And there was, if you, if you watch the, you know, the broadcast again, or if you go back and you watch the, um, the the highlights of the game that, that, you know, that the league puts out on their YouTube page, it's obvious there's, there's grass in between his feet. So, and he even said to us post game on, on, on the field, um, that he, he didn't want a repeat of what happened, happened, you know, earlier in the year versus Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. But no, that's it. So I mean, props props to Fletch. He 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 did the thing. <laughs> it looked fantastic doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he wasn't the only running back that was scoring touchdowns in Ottawa. Uh, welcome back, William Stanback, in a big way, and that had to feel really good for him getting his his first touchdown of twenty twenty two. Yeah, and I don't think first in almost could a year by imagined. the way. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you had said at the start of the season while we were at training camp in Trois Rivieres, if I said to you, you know. I think Stanback's only going to score his first touchdown in a, <laughs> or, or
1: mid-October. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> you crazy. Yes. But I, that's how it worked out this year, unfortunately. Uh, but knowing that he came back from that injury that he suffered in week one, uh, he, the road to that recovery, th- for him to come back and be a part of this team and at the absolute best possible time. Uh, I mean, hes hes you can tell he's back. He's... Only going to get more reps. He's only going to get more, get that that rust off that's been he's that's been gathering since that injury back in week one. Mm -hmm. But I think for him, he needed that. I mean, it was not a a fantastic you know twenty yard scamper you know to score the touchdown. It was just a a goal line touchdown. But you know what? It still counts. It still means he's on the board. He finally got his first tuddy of the year, and you got to know that he's got to be feeling. So much relief, knowing that, okay, I am back, I am back doing what I love, what I was meant to do, and it's, it's, it's got to be such a tremendous feeling for him,
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, and you know even though the the the, the Russian guards weren't that high for the Alouettes again this week, still more you know still more reps for stand back, but you know, dude, we talked about this, I think it was last year, um just just the thought of having you know the the spoils of having not only two but dude technically the owls have three strong running backs which they can easily throw some interesting you know wrinkles into this game and fletcher and stamek Mm -hmm. were a great tandem this past week
0: yeah, just a, a great one-two punch, and yeah, let's let's not forget we still have Jeshwin Antwi as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, he didn't get any he didn't get any rushes against Ottawa, but I mean he was still out on the field, he was still catching the ball. So I mean that still is a threat, like still a, a nice ace in the hole, if you will. You know, knowing full well, okay, these guys have to game plan for stand back and Fletcher, knowing how dangerous those two are. But you throw Antwi in the mix as well. I mean. You know, the Alouettes have so many opportunities to be able to mix things up and just really establish a good ground game if if given the opportunity. So I'm I'm really hoping, especially like this series against Toronto, this home home series, that they find a way to do that to really reestablish, like give standback the confidence again to prove that he is who we think he is and that it is one of the premier backs of this league. Uh, Walter Fletcher, obviously making a case for himself too. It's to like you know, don't don't sleep on me either, but yeah, there's, there's still also Jesuit Antwi. I mean, you give him a chance, he can do great things. So, I mean, talk about an embarrassment of riches when you think about it. I mean, like Trevor Harris, if he doesn't think he can find a receiver, I mean, you know, there's no, there's no shame in being able to hand off the rock and just let these guys pound away and pound away and just get those first downs. I mean, that, that is a viable strategy that now opposing, uh, coordinators are just gonna to have to they have no choice but to start planning for that.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, it it's true. Now and you know let's go let's talk to the let's get talk about the stats here for the game itself and then we'll talk about the the harrowing fourth quarter. Um you know Trevor Harris, nineteen to twenty seven a seventy percent you know Completion percentage only 241 and just one touchdown. A huge thing, too, Bo. Again, though, again, Cliff is no interceptions. Uh, a out of the blue pass, which I think was very timely at the time by Dominic Davis. He was able to throw a pass unexpected, but the smart thing to do at that time. It may have not been a completed pass, but still, it was the right thing to do at the right time just to throw a little wrinkle into it. Um, yeah, uh, Fletcher and Stambeck. Uh, Stanbeck led the team with nine rushes on 34 carries. Excuse me. <laughs> nine carries on 34 yards. Uh, Fletcher, four carries, 30 <laughs> yards. Trevor Harris had 17 yards. Dominic Davis had 11, but that really wasn't the stat for that one. He had nine carries, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit here because that's where the harrowing part of the fourth quarter occurred. Um, <laughs> leading wide receiver for the Alouettes, Tyson Philpot seven were seven catches on 10 targets for 76 yards uh gino lewis had uh 65 yards on three catches that's a beauts. walter fletcher another 60 yards uh on four catches Jeshwin Antwi uh two for 20 uh, kjg two for 12 and jake winicky one for eight um Nick Arbuckle, by the way, 28 to 36, 271 and two touchdowns. Uh, their leading uh, rusher was Jackson Bennett with 55 yards, and their leading receiver was uh, Justin Hardy. Gee, care uh, surprise, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about this already, uh, 93 yards, 12 targets. That was one of the frustrating things because the dude was catching everything, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where else to go from there. I mean, obviously we had the the huge uh, strip, had the strip, and you know scoop and score, and then we had that strip uh, on the last play of the game, which helped the Owls you know seal the game. But thoughts, Cliff, on uh, on how how the uh, how these stats stand out to you?
0: Uh, let's not forget Chandler Worthy. He didn't oh, yes. get a house call, but my goodness, did he ever put! Montreal in great field position. Yeah, yeah. So I numerous times. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a guy that, once again, you you, you got to really prepare for him because you know he can break one off, and he hasn't done that in a while. But he still managed to put Montreal in very favorable field conditions. Yeah. And. That's huge. Like that. That's a big win for the special teams. And we've talked about this in the past of like the the woes of special teams until guys like uh, like Barrow Alford mm-hmm. came along. And now now with what Chandler Worthy's been able to do for the Alouettes, I mean, it's just like this team. You almost don't want to kick to these guys, but you kind of don't have a choice. Now,
1: 172 <laughs> total return I, I, yards for Chandler this week.
0: So, I mean, that that's phenomenal. Yeah, that, I mean, that's. Again, this this is the kind of thing you, you have no choice but to prepare for. Like there are certain teams – there are certain guys you don't want to kick to on opposing teams. And I think it's safe to say that Chandler Worthy is definitely on everybody else's list as oh, we do not want to kick to this guy. And sometimes you just don't have a choice, especially if he's the only returner back there. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, no, I, yeah. I agree. Um, Try for the rouge. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's seen that the past couple of weeks it is consistent Trevor. You know, a high percentage rate. Um, not necessarily all that many yards. I mean, two forty-one is fine. Yeah, again, no interceptions, which is good. Um, you know, it's one uh, one touchdown. I mean, yeah, yeah, wrinkles thrown in, and then we got touchdowns other ways too. Because that you know that's that you, know, you don't score. You know, you have a quarterback who doesn't throw that many touchdowns. You need to score some other points, and obviously, with being, getting thirty-four, we had other ways to do it. So, I mean, again, Owls were down uh, eleven early and came back to win this game. So that's, that's a huge plus. Um, my thought goes to what I was talking about, you know, mentioning before, is the 11, rushes, uh, the 11 rushing attempts by Dominic Davis. The Alouettes mm-hmm. short yardage team came into this game. I think it was a stat that they, were, that they mentioned on, on, uh, on the broadcast. Is they came in with a perfect 21 for 21. Yeah fourth down third down alone which is absolutely horrible they were they were a grand total of five for eight on on third down but those missed opportunities almost cost the alouettes
0: the game and and you think about it like that still counts as a turnover like turnover on downs still counts as a turnover and that's i mean i mean you got to win the turnover battle and it's it's remarkable like both these teams were doing a great job turning over the ball. The only difference is Montreal's turnovers were not so bad. It wasn't because someone made a mistake or uh, you know Ottawa's defense was able to get the better of them. It was just these unfortunate circumstances. But especially in the second half, like Ottawa just wasn't able to capitalize very much, or they were settling for field goals. And again, you almost can't beat the Alouettes with field goals too. And I, I actually kind of funny like the at one point there was a. a a drive downfield. And once again, I I don't get why teams when you're pretty much first and second and goal and even third in goal, why would you settle for a 10 yard field goal? If you're Bob dice, you're trying to prove, you want to give confidence to your team. You want to show that you believe in them. Why not go for it? Worst case scenario, if they didn't get the touchdown and they have to turn the ball over on downs, Montreal is starting really, really deep in their own end. To settle for a field goal, again, we've seen this before. And we even saw it at Thanksgiving where Machocha opted for the field goal instead of going for it on third and four. Mm -hmm. And it bit him in the ass. And unfortunately, this past Friday, going for that field goal, I think kind of bit Bob Dice in the ass because Alouettes were able to storm back and chew up enough clock. And despite, as you said, all these short yardage shenanigans, managed to find the way down and score... The
1: touchdown that would put them ahead and keep them ahead. I know. And saying this as a talking head, though, I mean, it, you, you know, it's easy to say that. How can they not make a third and one? It it boggles my mind. And in, in the CFL, when teams don't, I mean, oh, okay, I can understand maybe a, a one and a half or a two. Okay, that I can understand. But Dominic, we've seen what Dominic Davis can do, especially when because he seems to be slow, so shifty when it comes to being able to not necessarily go on center and rush the ball forward but being able to go off the side and we saw a little bit of that this week because he almost te- he almost broke one so it's it's just so frustrating when we're so you know so close in this game and then what's going on you know again holding Ottawa to that 10-yard field goal with you know five minutes left in the third in the fourth quarter or, or you know or sorry uh scored yeah well yeah five, about five minutes left it's just that was good but man it was just so frustrating you know It was like what two out of three drives where we couldn't make it on third down. Just so frustrating.
0: It is, and I I guess the only positive, if you want to take that as a positive, is that Ottawa wasn't able to do a whole lot either towards the end of the game. I mean, it wasn't for lack of effort because they'd make plays, but when it came to actual scoring, like yeah, you're you're settling for field goals, and again, you got to be thinking end zone. You got to, especially Ottawa, like they've really got nothing to lose, and. They, they still are not mathematically eliminated. That's from the playoff,
1: crazy. I mean. That's so and crazy. If they were able to get the,
0: if somehow they were able to get the win against Montreal in Ottawa, I mean, one, they would have broken that, uh, that lengthy streak of theirs, mm-hmm. not as lengthy as the Edmonton Elks streak, but they do have a, a the, you know, have, have to get off the Schneid at home. If they could have done that, like that, that would have really helped their, their playoff push. But, you know, it just, when it was all said and done, it, it really came down to Montreal wanting it just a little bit more. Yeah, but I mean, the the back and forth and getting the fans excited, getting getting them hyped for it. I mean, I I will say that the crowd was really you could tell the the fans. I think were finally feeling like they got their money's worth out of this this game. They they were excited. They were loud. They were loud at the right times too. Like we've always kind of joked about how mm-hmm. they seem to make noise on offense more than defense. But I think this they they finally got it like maybe now they finally feel like they had something to cheer for they finally felt like this team could possibly do something they could probably pull off the upset and really make Montreal's life miserable but you know I mean credit to our nation they they definitely came out and they definitely made the noise at the right time and I, I don't think too many I think people were disappointed that they lost because again that does put a damper on their slim playoff hopes but they had to feel like they got their money's worth. They had to feel like they were entertained, at least. Oh, yeah, exactly. At least I, ho- at least I hope so.
1: I, I think it was a good back and forth. I mean, there were quite a few Alouettes fans there, too, in, in, in Ottawa. So it was, uh, you know, we were outnumbered, but still, you know, when the Alouettes scored, or, and it's funny, I think near the end, too, I think the Alouettes no- fans were trying to make noise, you know, uh, even though Ottawa was on on offense. And um, by the way, mm-hmm. still have to give props by the way. I guess you know, even with the with the issues that we had this week with the short yardage, gotta give props to Dominic Davis, who tied a uh an Alouette's record uh for most rushing touchdowns. Um by a quarterback in a single season he tied the team record of 12 which is held or he's now currently tied with uh, vernon adams and this record was set back in uh, 2019 so it's very possible over the next two games that uh, if he gets going it's uh, dominic davis may become the uh, the all-time uh, uh record holder for the alouettes and if he keeps Keeps pace with uh, Caleb Evans, because right now Caleb leads See the league uh, in rushing touchdowns by a QB. Both of those two quarterbacks are very close to actually tying the league record, which is held by Doug Flutie. And there's another one I can't remember off the top of my head now. <laughs> um, but that's at 14. So, hey, anything's happened over the next two games. But yeah, either way, either, either way, congrats.
0: Yeah, so, I mean... Dominique's got two, two, two games to do it. Uh, I mean, I I have to think with how Montreal's offense has been, the fact that Trevor Harris can get the team to the red zone, but doesn't always quite get the job done. But if he can get them at least first and goal and give Dominique a chance to get in there and put that big six foot four frame to use, uh, he, he could be the new record holder, which, you know, he, he's in pretty good company now, uh, tied with VA. But uh, you got to think that if nothing else, that That'll help strengthen his case, you know, to show that hey, listen, I've got a role on this team, and this is it. Like I, I'm, I'm here to help this team. I'm here to score touchdowns and help put points on the board. And believe me, it's definitely something that the Yellowwoods need. And hopefully, he'll he'll have the opportunity to do it, especially too, like this coming Saturday in front of his hometown fans. Like that would be fantastic to be, to break that record at home would be pretty tremendous
1: exactly uh last couple of stats here before we move on to uh to news and notes leading up and then leading up to the uh um leading up to the the preview for the the game on saturday um you know owls did very well when it came to uh to penalties cliff you know only seven for 64 yards to me that to me that's that's reasonable um what else Uh, Red zone, hey, we were two for three. Hell of a lot better than the week before, and it actually showed quite well, so I I was very happy with that. Um, And I think there's one other stat I wanted to, to, because this always seems to be, it's just mind-boggling. It is third downs. We did 22 second downs. I'm trying to find the actual stats here. Anyways, uh, again, stat-wise, the Owls did quite well. Um, they did what they needed to do. Uh, no, technically no, no in turnovers except yes, except for those two that were via, uh, you know, turnover, turnover on downs, but, but still Cliff, I think it's, it's very positive going into the game versus Toronto this week. So
0: yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, when you ask like, how did the Elowitz win? Like this truly was when you think about it, a true team effort. Like it took everybody, like everybody had to play a role in this victory, and like there was no one outstanding player, there was not one person that really was like head and shoulders above everyone else. It felt like there was a whole bunch of guys that had great moments and did what they needed to do to make sure that the Alouettes got away with a W. And I mean, like whether you're talking about offense, defense, even special teams, like this team played a complete game. It was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. No, let's no. Let, let's not kid ourselves. There was a lot of times where I just felt like do they even want this like <laughs> that's you know there's just like that that doubt that you know like do they even want to be in the playoffs because they're not playing like a team that wants to be in the playoffs but they got it figured out and i think that's really what it comes down to is they got to get things figured out and they seem to
1: do it you know
0: later rather than sooner but you know what? as i said at the end of the day they got the w yeah uh, and they got the X next to their name. That's right.
1: Uh, nine of twenty-three on second down. It's, it's just shy, less of forty percent. I, I don't know what what you would be you would consider to be a a, a decent number. I, I guess I'd say in the forties if you can get a, within the forties for second down conversions. I think you're doing well. Um, by the way, one quick note that I wanted to ask you about: mm-hmm. What do you think of Tyson Philpot's first game at slot back? I think we have a winner, buddy.
0: <laughs> I really do. Whew. I mean, let, let, let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, losing Reggie White Jr. to an injury is is brutal. I mean, he was definitely a huge contributor. But we knew the potential that Tyson Philpot had coming into this game. We, we knew what he's been able to do all season. Like, he, as far as I'm concerned, head and shoulders above everybody else as far as, like, most outstanding rookie nomination, mm-hmm. especially in the Eastern Division. He came to play. And play he did. I mean, that was just incredible work. And... You could tell that, like, he, like, he'd been talking about, like, he, like, he and his uh, twin brother, Jalen, they seem to have this, you know, sibling rivalry, so to speak. Like, nothing, you know, mean or anything like that. But, like, you could tell that they're trying to hype each other up, like, trying to see, okay, oh, you did this against uh, the the Red Blacks? Well, let me show you what I can do against uh, the BC Lions or, you know, vice versa. You know, like, there's this competition to see who is the better, quote-unquote, J- uh, Philpop brother. But, yeah. I mean...
1: And we almost had a, I, I had, had a thing, too, where like, both... Call me biased, but I... I Go, you're you're biased, but <laughs> I was gonna say we almost had a thing where it was a uh, both Philpot brothers led their team in 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 receiving yards this week, but it was just a Jalen just couldn't get over that hump.
0: Yeah, no, it it's incredible. Like uh, watching the watching both of these guys play and seeing what they've been able to do for their respective teams is outstanding. And you know, I'm a little biased, but uh, I think we got just a little bit better Philpot with uh, Tyson. I mean, he's just been outstanding, uh, great attitude. I mean, he's come to work and he's just, you can tell he's just so excited and you can see that this team is trying very hard to get him involved in the offense as much as possible. And you can tell that he's ready for it. Like, I don't think the moment is too big for him. Like he's not out there like a deer in the headlights. Like what the heck, what do I do? You know, like he, he can, he comes prepared each and every game. And it's just a matter of Trevor's just got to find him. If, if somehow Phil pot's open, you got to find him. Cause we all know Phil Potts got wheels, thanks to Christian Matt, but Phil Potts got hands, too. He made a couple of beautiful catches. Oh, no, I know. And just moved the chains. Like, like this kid, like, 22 years old, and he's just,
1: we haven't even begun to
0: scratch the surface of what this guy can do. Having
1: him in there I, I mean, this week versus Toronto, I think, is going to be big because the, the, it's another, you know, it, it, it can take some pressure off of Geno knowing that you have, I mean, first and foremost, three Canadian wide receivers on the field at one time. What? You know, and then on top That's of that, wild. again, on, on top of that, Gino, Tyson, Jake, uh, you know, uh, KJG, KJG, yeah. I mean, it, it, putting him at slot back was genius. Hopefully, it works. It, it will, you know. I'm curious to see what's going to happen this week on on Saturday, but we'll we'll talk about more about that in in a little bit.
0: I know just the fact that we've got these great Canadian receivers, and I I still remember when the the CFL draft was going on, and we took Tyson in the first round. I'm like, oh, okay, like I'm not mad at the choice, but I'm like, yeah. so does this mean that there's gonna be more of a focus on the national receiver? Something that Montreal hasn't been able to do in, well, ever. Like, mm-hmm. this is incredible. And then you see what Hergie has been able to do this season. And now seeing Tyson Philpot emerge the way he has, I mean, alongside of KJG, I mean, like these, like holy cow, we've got some pretty damn good Canadian receivers, and like they're a focal point point of the offense if if you let them be. Like this is this is great, exactly. I, I, like this is something I could not have predicted a year ago, even. Like just to see them get involved in the offense like this, and being given opportunities to shine, and I mean, credit to the Alouettes for for taking a chance rolling the dice with these guys and so far it's paying off pretty good
1: Yep. Yeah. and now as promised as we did on social media hyped it up a little bit we hope it, you are ready for the interview uh we're going to be chatting with uh, wide receiver tyson philpot and when we get back we got news and notes for the alouettes and with us on the show this week is for sure one of the most up and coming wide receivers in the Canadian Football League right now, and he's only a rookie. He's only a rookie. On the line with us now is uh, wide receiver for the Montreal Alouettes, number eighty-one, Tyson Philpot. Hey, Tyson, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to uh, join the show. Um, I,
1: I, I want to ask you the, the the first thing that I that I know, at least that I've read recently about you, Tyson, is that. Uh, how much does it tick you off if your brother is seven seven minutes older than you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely uh, he gets considered the older brother. So I definitely don't like be, being the younger brother to him. But I think uh, anyone that knows us uh, closely knows that's truly na- nothing. That and we're pretty similar, so it does get me, but uh, it's all good.
1: It was it was so close last week, and I was hoping it was going to occur. Obviously, with you leading leading the way for the Alouettes and receiving yards last week, your brother Saint came so close, also. And I was like, I so want to ask the league office: Is this the first time that two twin brothers, or rather brothers or twin brothers, have led their teams, and respectively, in receiving yards? But it didn't happen, so I guess we'll have to wait, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know,
2: we will yeah unfortunately i got it but Jalen was he was close i, I looked at the style i need a good uh, all-purpose game yeah they got him involved in the returns and uh, some running back stuff but uh yeah i, I won in the receiving category i guess
1: um looking back at your career obviously uh, your, your before your, your time with the Montreal Alouettes obviously you know some people try to look at similarities between you know guys that come up through the NCAA ranks versus guys that come up through the the youth sport rank um as a as yourself who went through the U Sport uh, way, what do you find that there are differences are between playing in U Sport versus say that maybe a wide receiver that has gone through the NCAA?
2: Yeah, I mean, on and personally uh, going through the U Sports, uh, I found that the Canadian game uh, just knowing that uh, the CFL is like the feeder from U Sports, uh, just being able to play that game would uh, help me develop my game. Um, playing Canadian sport and um, versus going through NCAA. Like I know you have the the NFL aspect and uh, that's the top goal. But if you want to grow the Canadian game, I kind of felt like that that would be best going through uh, Calgary and through the uh, Canadian game. But I would just say the fastness um, is something that is different than NCAA. You know, with the three downs and uh, having to throw the ball so much, uh, it changes. It's a different aspect.
1: Did you ever play four-down football in high school? Because uh, I, I personally don't know. I, I think it differs throughout the country when it comes to which high schools mm-hmm. may play three versus four downs. But did you have you been playing three-down football your entire career?
2: I started off uh, three-down football in community, um, and that went till uh, about high school. And once I was in grade eight, uh, BC football actually plays American just because we're so close uh, to the border. And I actually got a few exhibition games against some Seattle teams. Um, and that was cool to get some, uh, some, some games against them, that kind of competition. But I'm not sure about other provinces if they play American or Canadian.
1: Okay. Um, I know you've been playing football since you've been a young kid. Obviously, everybody who knows your last name knows your dad and, and what he did with the BC Lions. Um, and, and what got you into football itself? I mean, uh, obviously, when your dad won the Grey Cup— you hadn't been born yet. I mean, was it something where you saw his yeah. Grey Cup ring? It inspired you. Was it a combination of that and, and how your dad did in the CFL? What what pushed you into uh, into football?
2: Yeah. Um. Honestly, I can't remember an exact moment or reason what uh, just sparked football for me. But just the earliest remember uh, memory I have is just playing football with my brother. You know. We'd always uh, watch on the VHS tapes uh, videos of my dad and highlights of him in the Grey Cup and just listening to like Pod and that kind of stuff from the announcers just kind of got us going and uh, every we'd always be around football. I mean, my dad was a football coach uh, through community and the junior ranks and he was just always around football and we'd always be there on the sidelines uh, tackling each other and doing little Oklahoma drills and all the guys would always say that, uh, they always thought we were going to be football players one day. So I think it was just being around it. And, uh, yeah, I thank my dad for that for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm seeing here that, you know, before you, you through high school and then you were being recruited by U sport teams, were you actually recruited by multiple U sport, uh, or, uh, football teams?
2: Yeah. Uh, I was uh, blessed to receive uh, multiple offers from, uh, quite a, quite a few different, uh, u sport schools in Canada. And, uh, I actually used all five of my university visits to kind of explore the country and see where I wanted to uh, pursue university. And yeah, it just so happened that Calgary was the best fit. And I enjoyed being kind of on the West Coast still and being able to travel home. And my mom was able to come to every single university pretty much game. And uh, she was a big supporter.
1: Um, just so, so other university, uh, followers can be jealous. What were the other teams that, that reached out to you before you chose, uh, Calgary? Uh,
2: my top five schools that I kind of narrowed it down to were, uh, Carleton University, uh, BC, uh, University of British Columbia. Um, Regina was in there for sure. And I liked, uh, Saskatchewan as well. They were, uh, they were in that conversation as well. That's cool. So I definitely Canwest West. Was going to be uh, the option.
1: Yeah, and Canwest, as as everybody who follows U Sport is one of the, obviously one of the stronger uh, d- divisions, I guess we can say in U Sports, next to Quebec and, and and the others, and then and then the Ontario League too. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, was it a, a no brainer after you as you said, after looking at Calgary and deciding to play for the Dinos?
2: Yeah, I mean, growing up uh, knowing who uh, Rashawn Simonizes is and uh, what he did at the University of Calgary, and just knowing how high-powered uh, of an air raid offense it was with Adam Sinegra there, and I mean, I knew who Josh Run was as well, who plays for the Alouettes. So it was kind of a no-brainer. And uh, the, the offensive coordinator there at the time, uh, I had a very good bond with as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and you were so close to being a teammate with uh, uh, with Rayshon's also. I think you just missed it by a year, but it's but still, that's cool. That's really neat. Yeah, Cliff.
0: Yeah. Uh question. When it came to uh, choosing the, the receiver position, uh, did you and Jalen decide that on your own? Or was like there was any thought of maybe following in your dad's footsteps and becoming a running back? Or is it just strictly receiver for you guys?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, when we were really young, uh, Jalen was actually a quarterback and I was a running back. It was just the easiest way to give each other the ball. And we kind of just, it was going to one of us. So we'd fake it to one and go to the other. But uh, as we grew up, uh, I was, I made the transition to receiver uh, pretty quickly, I would say, uh, as soon as I was in community football. And Jalen actually was a running back. uh, Up until university, he played uh, running back all through uh, high school. And he was getting a couple offers at running back uh, through uh, university, but they kind of just felt he was a little undersized. And uh, that's when he decided to make the transition to receiver. But, yeah, I I stayed at receiver. So we kind of didn't really talk about it. But, uh, I mean, I guess maybe when he made the transition – Uh, He he would kind of watch some of the stuff I did, but I I, I've been receiver longer.
0: And that to just foster the competition between you guys, like the friendly competition, of course. But uh, obviously, you guys will push each other to the limits for sure. Uh,
2: Very very competitive.
0: (laughs) And to this day, I imagine you guys must still use each other as benchmarks as to okay, well, you know, Jalen did this, so I got to do that. Or Tyson did this, no, I got to do that, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm sure he does the same as me. after my game and his game, I'll check his stats, and he'll, he'll probably check mine to see uh, who did better, who's leading this week, or, or, or vice versa. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm sure of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the both of you going to the Combine uh, earlier this year. Uh, I know you, came, you guys both came in with a lot of hype, and, and you had even said to us that you felt your numbers were not the greatest, but uh, talk to us about that experience of, of what yeah. you guys went through in the Combine.
2: No, yeah, the Combine was definitely a, a fun experience, you know, uh, growing up, you know, you're dreaming of the Combine and uh, that opportunity to showcase your talents in front of uh, all the coaches and uh, just just the whole event, you know, it has a lot of hype. Um, but yeah, I just, there was some talk about our 40 times and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I knew uh, football at the end of the day was, was what you had to produce and that's where you had to show up regardless of... Uh, Testing numbers and that kind of stuff. I definitely wish I could have put better numbers up, uh, but I'm definitely happy uh, what happened with the draft and where I ended up. Um, but the overall, the experience was definitely great, and uh, uh, it was a dream come true to be invited there and uh, showcase my talent. So I still think it was a fine day, just not my best. Mm-hmm. And
0: when uh, during the combine process, did you speak at all with the Alawitz? Like, did they give any indication that there was any interest in you?
2: Yeah, um, I, talk, I talked to the Alouettes, uh before, actually, the Combine. Um, and then I did not talk to them uh, during the recruits uh, uh, interview process um, at the Combine. Um, so I wasn't sure exactly uh, if they were interested in me and still. But I knew uh, on draft day when they gave me a call saying that I was a uh, high priority for them as well. My brother got that call as well, um, that there's was a, v- a very good chance that we could get drafted there. And just knowing uh, Coach Kahari, And um, just his ties with the BC Lions and he knows my dad respectively as well. And coach Machocha as well, um, playing against him in the, in the Vanier.
0: I was going to say, he had a a pretty much a front row seat to know what uh, you were capable of doing. So that had to have been uh, on his mind during the, during the combine process.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm glad because he's a great coach and I'm glad to be on the team. All right.
0: And uh, finally on draft day, you, you, you and Jalen both get the call. Does it, Irk you just a little bit that Jalen got the call first, <laughs> I mean not by much, but he did technically beat you in that re- regards
2: absolutely yeah i uh I mean you only get one draft day and to lose to your brother, of course is definitely it definitely hurt but uh no, at the end of the day, I was just blessed to 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 get drafted and to get the opportunity to play uh pro football, which has always been a dream of mine and uh I'll always, I guess, be known as the second one off the board, but at the end of the day, it comes down to production. So we'll see at, at, the, at the end of the race uh, who's up to start or who's, up, who's in front.
1: And it's all about the rings, that's too. It. All about the rings, too. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. I love
0: it. Um, that's true. You, you, won't, you, you won't technically be the first Phil Pot to have a, a Grey Cup ring, but you you could be the next one, and that's, that's important.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly, and... He he only has one, so we got we got some work to do.
1: Um, uh, you know, obviously how you we, we saw you at training camp. I, I know your training camp did not start off as well as you wanted it to this year. Um, I think you you were a little bit dinged up um, going into your very first professional training camp. Was it a little bit frustrating how your body was not allowing you to acclimate to the game right there and then, and you had to wait? I think it was what do you wait uh, approximately three weeks before you actually got any action? If I remember correctly, how, you know how how was your, your first pro training camp experience?
2: Yeah, no, definitely getting injured on the first day, uh, in literally the first half of the the practices, uh, was definitely not something I had planned and, uh, definitely disappointed. But, um, I was just, uh, yeah, able to, I was out for about, I would say two weeks, I would say 14 days, uh, around there, 10 to 14 days, but we did lots of rehab on the side and, uh, it was kind of, kind of sucky, uh, just watching from the sideline, you know, obviously you have a little bit of anxiety thinking that uh, you may be getting sent back to school or uh, you're not, you're not doing what they drafted you to do. So, but I was just, uh, stay uh, steady with the playbook and, uh, let them know that I was, uh, I knew all, all my assignments. And as soon as, uh, as soon as I was healthy to come back, I'd be ready to go. And it's exactly what I did when I, uh, was, uh, healthy enough to go and, I think Coach uh, Lionello talked about that a little bit, but yeah, just I was able to uh, I was called up to the first team. Actually, uh, my first practice back, and I was able to do decently well uh, and just show them that I was uh, I was staying
0: my books. Now, what's it like? Uh, you you got other uh, national receivers uh, kind of lining up with you, and guys like uh, Herji Mayala and Kayan Julian Grant. Uh, have they been able to? Would you say that they've been a helpful part of your process in learning the game and on the professional level?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'd say we have a really good relationship. Uh, we're talking all the time. You know, uh, I look up to Herji and uh, k definitely as uh, big brothers and uh, just guys I can learn from. And they've they've been in the league and they've uh, done things. So I'm always asking questions and, you know, they're always giving me uh, good answers and they help me uh, whenever I need help. And uh, yeah, they've been very supportive.
0: And you think your role in the offense now, as, as it relates, like you started out more or less on special teams to kind of get your feet wet, but now that you've been introduced more and more into the offense, do you think, do you think you're finding, you're finding your groove right now or do you think you've already, you've had it all along?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's, uh, you always need to kind of get that confidence and that comes when you get a few catches, but I definitely feel comfortable now. And, uh, I feel like, um, I have the full trust from Trevor and coaches and, um, they rely on me just, just as much as they need to, so I'm definitely ready to make an impact wherever I need to and uh, just help the team win. That's the end goal for sure, and, and make a nice run to the playoffs.
1: And, and we'll agree with that. We we love seeing you know, uh, Justin. We'll we'll get to it in a couple of minutes, but just seeing you being able to be slotted in directly into the uh, slot back position this past week, Cliff and I were just foaming at the mouth saying, "Man." Our wide receiving core just got even better, so it's, you know, obviously it was at uh, unfortunately at the expense of Reggie White Jr. But it's, but still, uh, we're we're pretty excited, man. Um, when it came, yeah, when sure. it, yeah, when okay. it, yeah, when it came to um, being a pro for the very first time, you know, obviously coming from U Sport and then playing now and then the CFL. What was the one thing that worried you the most about becoming a pro? And, and what was the thing that you had to get used to the most as being a pro? Mm.
2: I would say just uh, just coming as a rookie and not, not knowing what to expect. I was definitely maybe a little bit worried about the playbook. You know, uh, you never know truly how big that professional playbook is going to be compared to your university. You know, you can only hear so much from other people. But uh, I would say that was like off of not uh, knowing anything. I would say that was the biggest and maybe a little bit just, uh, knowing that I was going to be, uh, pretty young compared to a lot of the other guys in just the competition. But I felt like, uh, I was able to blend in right away and guys saw my talent just as I seen theirs. And, uh, I got that respect right away.
0: Cliff. All right. Now that you've finally, now you can finally say that you're playoff bound, uh, talk to us about the game this past, uh, Friday. I mean, you, you lit up the scoreboard, obviously not points wise, but uh, you you led the team rec- uh, receiving yards. Uh, you were all over the place. Uh, I mean, you were not only does Philpot have wheels, but Philpot had hands, as we saw with those beautiful catches you made. Uh, talk to us through that game, as you know, especially since now that you're starting slot back. And how did you feel about how it all sort of came together for the game against Ottawa?
2: Yeah, no, uh, I think we had a very good ex- uh, game plan, and. Uh we executed it very well. Um, we just, uh, we knew what we had to attack going into the game and we knew that uh, we hadn't had too many good games against Ottawa and um, knowing that we were going to be down Reggie White as well. has been a huge uh, impact on our offense. I knew that uh, I definitely have to step up for him and uh, I was just happy. I was able to, to get open enough that Trevor was able to find me and, you know, uh, Gino was making big plays just as Gino always does and, I think our offense is always, always generates better when we're uh, spreading the ball around. And uh, like you guys said, we have, I think we have the best receiving core uh, in the CFL and we can go to any guy on our receiving core and they'll, they'll get the job done. So I think, yeah, just keep, uh, keep spreading the ball around and we're going to, we're going to keep continuing to win. What was your initial,
1: what was your initial reaction when they told you you were going to be at starting slot back?
2: Uh, I, I mean, I was definitely, uh, proud, a proud moment for me. Definitely. Uh, knowing I was going to be able to start my first career game, uh, of course had a couple of nerves. Uh, I think that comes with it, but, uh, I also, uh, just kind of felt bad as well, knowing how hard Reggie worked for it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not the way you want to earn your starting job, but you also know that, yeah, it's football and you got to step up for your guys when, uh, you need to. So, but yeah, I think I, I was confident though. I knew, uh. I was gonna be able to make an impact.
0: Yeah, it's it's the next man up mentality because uh, last year Reggie came to prominence uh, replacing another receiver who got injured. So it's unfortunately it's it's just a matter of being ready when they when they call your number.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's have some
0: fun, Tyson. Uh, before being drafted by the Alouettes, had you been to Montreal? Do you know did you know anything about Montreal before you came in, came and played for the Alouettes?
2: Um, I had been kind of to Montreal. Uh, we came, we flew to Montreal, um, during the Vanier, uh, when we played, uh, Montreal, but that was in Quebec city. So we took a bus from Montreal to live, uh, to Quebec city. So that's kind of, I was in here, I was in Montreal for a couple hours and not really explored anything though.
0: All right. And now that you're, you're living here, uh, how are you liking it so far?
2: Oh, I love it. Uh, the weather's been getting cold. That's been uh, something I gotta adjust to just like Calgary. It's a little bit colder in Calgary, I think. But other than that, uh, it's been a very good food city. That's what I, I heard before I came. I was going to test my appetite for sure. So I've been eating good, and I think the people here are really nice too. So uh, I've enjoyed that part. And I haven't got out to – I'm a big roller coaster guy, so I'm excited to get out to La Um I haven't been able to get out you know, yet, but that was a big excitement when I seen that. But other than that I think it's been a really cool experience and I'm excited to kind of stay a little bit in the off season and explore.
0: Oh that's awesome. I I was actually at Larone a couple of weeks ago and I can tell you it's it's always a good time. So if you're a thrill seeker and it sounds like you are, I think you'll you'll enjoy what Larone has to offer. Yeah, I definitely am. So um, I'm going to get out there for sure. All right. All right, and you talk talking about this being a food city. Is there uh, any particular spots that uh, Tyson Phil a big fan of? Uh,
2: yeah, I would say I've been going to La Capital Tacos. Um, it's it's in Chinatown. It's it's really good. I've I've gone there twice before, back to back nights. So I definitely snap that. If if, if I'm gonna give any suggestion.
0: All right, so a Taco Tuesday guy, I can appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> big taco. All right, uh, what about in? Have you gotten into that yet?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, before even coming to Quebec, uh, I was a big Putin guy. So. Uh, I haven't – I'm still trying to find a good spot, so if you guys have any suggestions. I have been to the the one that everyone kind of talks to, La Banquie, I think it's called.
0: La Banquise, um, yes.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I wasn't wasn't too too sold on that one. So unless you guys have some suggestions, I'm still trying to find that, the one.
0: Okay, well, I mean, like that is the place. I mean, it's um, – I think it's kind of like Schwartz's. It's becoming a bit more of a touristy spot than an actual okay. gourmand place. But, yeah, uh, yeah. There's definitely some really good places, uh, and I'll, I'll be happy to hook you up with a list of uh, places that I think you'd really enjoy. So I, I got you. Don't worry about that.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can say too, Tyson. do not, do not, do not do the fast food route, it, it, you know, because it's, you know, the, the fast food chains, they really cannot do poutine in very well at yeah. all. I mean, the, the only place I would suggest it's, to you, which technically is fast food, but it is a staple here in Quebec that knows how to do it right um is um over at La Belle Paramas.
2: Okay. Yeah, I have walked by uh one or two one once or twice, so I I might check that one out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, they do decent work, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I I obviously, yeah, like Tim said, just stay away from the fat, fast food places cuz those yeah. are just hot garbage.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't think they would make a very good poutine. <laughs> What's the
0: uh, poutine like in Delta? I got to know.
2: No. Uh they're okay. I mean, I'm a fan. There's a there's a chain that I like to go to. Uh, I think it's called uh, what's it called? Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it's like a chain Putin spot that they have. I've seen them in. Oh, it's called Smokey's Poutineery. Oh it yeah,
1: is. I know. Okay. I'm not sure if they. have.
2: Yeah, and so that's kind of that's kind of the ones I kind of go to. And I say they're they're decently good, but there's no like original Quebec poutine there. Definitely not.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. You, sometimes you see that when you go out to the rest of Canada, they'll have like Montreal style smoked meat or puts in yeah. something like that. I'm like, Okay, that that's cute. That's cute. Good
2: try. Smoked meat. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Now you were talking okay, you're talking before about uh you know places that you've heard that you want to go to as far as uh entertainment and stuff like that you know like going over to Lerone for the um for the roller coasters has any of the uh, of the guys suggested a place where you have to go in Quebec whether it be near here the Laurentian mountains uh, Saint-Sauveur Mont-Tremblant have the guys suggested to uh, a place to you that you they say you have to go and see
2: um yeah I'm a big skier so uh, I've talked to a couple of guys a couple of the guys about going to Mount Tremblant and uh, I've heard nothing but good things and just being in Calgary and being able to go to those mountains over there uh, Mm -hmm. definitely was something so I'm I'm curious to see what these kind of mountains are like but that's definitely somewhere uh, a couple of me and the guys will definitely get up to.
0: I got a feeling that you're going to find the mountains in Quebec uh, compared to what you have out like Whistler, Blackcomb and that. It's kind of like how I feel about puts in out on the west coast, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but you tell us. You you definitely go check out Tromble okay. because it is definitely a lot of fun, yeah. and let us know what you think. Just, yeah.
2: but yeah. I'm just giving All you right, a fair
0: honestly,
2: warning. Yeah, honestly, Whistler. I, I have I've only been a couple times just because it's so expensive now. But there's there's okay mountains I'd say in like Vancouver. So we'll see if if it's close and and it's good, then I'll give it a plus for sure.
1: Yeah, there are All a couple right. of places that you can try. As I said, you can go to. Uh, as I said, Mont Tremblant. There is in Morin Heights, which is only uh, forty-five minutes away from from Montreal. There's also uh, Morin okay. Heights, Heights, which is just a just a little bit past. But they're they're everywhere, dude. I mean, and I'm sure for you, it just as long as the powder is good, that's all that matters.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's all I care about. It's just a nice
1: ride. Okay, Tyson.
0: It's playoff time, uh, but we got two big games coming up against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I know you guys are excited about actually getting that home playoff date, which is fantastic. But how badly do you guys want to get for it to be the Eastern final, as opposed to the Eastern semifinal? What steps are you guys taking? What kind of mindset are you guys going into to make sure that you guys are playing on in the Eastern final, as opposed to the Eastern semifinal?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we've been stressing how important this game is, you know, not having played against Toronto, uh, since week two, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, knowing how close we were in that game and uh, and we didn't feel like we played our best game when we played them our first time, too. And just knowing what we're capable of a team, we're definitely just stressing about finishing and just making sure we're on top of and playing our best football. And that's, not, not, that's playing smart football and not having penalties and just making sure on the offense that we're finishing in the red zone. So I think uh, the importance is high. Uh, we definitely want to make sure I mean, personally, I've—it's my first playoff, so I think uh, having a buy and a first, uh, our, our first game at home would be really cool, and for the fans especially too. Um, we know how important that is, and uh, we really want to bring a great, great cup and bring some wins back to the city of Montreal. So uh, I think the team knows, and uh, we're very focused, and we're ready to go out and show it on Saturday.
0: Oh, I believe it. I, I think uh, the the win last Friday to clinch that playoff spot, I think, really helped build that momentum and really helped cement the idea that yeah, this is a playoff team. So now it's just a matter of going and proving it again. And that's the thing is you've got to prove yourselves again to prove that everybody that we are who we say we are. And I know that mindset is so huge, it's so important. And especially against a team like Toronto, who has been on top of the Eastern Division, I think, pretty much the entire season.
2: Yeah, all year, yeah. No, yeah, they're a very good team and we know it too, but uh we know that we can match up and we can uh play good football just like they can. So, we're excited for the game for sure.
1: How um how hard is it to not look ahead? Because obviously, you know, as fans, we can only see what, what you guys say in the media or what we see on television or or, or that type of stuff, but how, how obviously I know, I think uh coach Mac uh you know, they they preach go 1 and 0 just 1 and 0 1 0 don't look ahead being your first year as a pro too how hard is it not to look ahead and just to you know to potentially being you know since you have it the playoff spot already clinched but to just stay in the mindset saying we can do better we can actually be better heading into the playoffs
2: yeah definitely uh, tough just know or just knowing uh the playoffs are kind of starting to get cemented and uh just that you know there's only three spots and just the way stuff's kind of working out but i would say like i have personal experience of looking ahead and not finishing and uh, not accomplishing the end goal that we wanted when we definitely had the team capable of doing it so uh i've learned personally so i i feel like i have a good understanding of it but um yeah just we got it's a one to no uh mentality like you said and uh i think i think our team is sees that and and I think we're ready.
0: Excellent. Well, this has been quite the interview, Tyson. Uh, I, I got to say, I, I've been so impressed with how you've come along this season, uh, the, the the moves that you've made, the progress you've shown throughout the season, like starting out on special teams and now working your way up into a starting position. It's been a hell of a ride, and it's not even over yet. That's the best part is there's still so much to go. And even when it comes to your career, there's still so much to go. How exciting yeah. is it to be a part of the Alouettes – knowing full well how your career is going and where it's trending right now?
2: Uh, it's so exciting. Uh, just knowing the, the history behind the team and uh, I was telling Coach AC today uh, that I was uh, a sneaky Montreal fan when I was younger. Uh, they always had the nicest jerseys I felt in the, in the CFL. So uh, just knowing what I can be a part of and just knowing what our team is capable of doing is just, uh, it's just amazing and uh, I'm excited uh, to start on Saturday and just Keep building on it and uh,
0: hopefully just keep going to the playoffs. Oh, that's fantastic. And I got to tell you, man, I will be stunned, absolutely stunned, if you are not the Eastern nominee for a most outstanding rookie this year. The the way you've progressed this year has been absolutely outstanding. And as far as I'm concerned, you are head and shoulders above anybody else in the East and possibly even the entire CFL.
2: (laughs) I appreciate that. No, I definitely uh – Definitely uh, was a goal of mine to just put my best foot forward uh, in my rookie season. I'm just uh, ready to keep doing it uh, for however long uh, I play this fun game.
1: Uh, bef- you go. Before I we let have you said go- it better. Yeah, before we let you go, Tyson. Um, obviously, we want uh, people to be able to follow you on social media and stuff like that. Um, if they wanted to follow you, uh, I know you're on Twitter. I know you're on Instagram. But if fans don't know where to follow you, uh, where can they follow you at?
2: Yeah, it's just uh, it's pretty simple. I think. My Twitter and my Instagram are the same. It's just at Tyson Philpot. And uh, yeah, my, my pages are all public. So uh, uh, I'd love the follows and Follow back for sure.
0: There you go, folks. Done deal. You know, you know, his name, follow him on Instagram, follow him on Twitter, get behind this kid. I'm telling you, he's going to the moon and you want to be along for the ride. Tyson, thank you so much for joining us here on the flight deck. Can't wait to see you on Saturday. Can't wait to see you guys do your thing. And, listen it's playoff time how, how can you not be excited about that
2: yep thank you guys so much i really appreciate uh you guys sending me the invite to be on the show and uh can't wait to give you guys a little show on the weekend
1: for a rookie cliff very impressed because i can only imagine how tough it is for you to come into you know you've been playing football for basically what is all of your life and you are now a h- integral part of the pro football team that you're playing for I can. I'm just so impressed on on this young man and and where he's going. Without
0: question, his poise, his confidence, uh, and at the same time, still sounding very humble, like he's he knows he's a second generation talent uh, in this league. Uh, also, too, with his uh, twin brother playing as well. I mean, it's you know, it, it can be a lot for a lot of people, but uh, I, I think if if Tyson's nervous or worried or anything like that, he's not showing it. Like he he comes across very calm, very. Uh, as I said, humble, but at the same time, like he's confident in his abilities, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't help but like that. Like he's really grown into his role here in Montreal, and it just blows my mind. He's 22 years old, and he's got so much ahead of him. Like, the, like we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're going to see from this guy, and he's just been impressive, to, like pretty much from the get go. Like he came as advertised for this team, and I'm so excited to see what he can do over the uh, you know over the next two three four five years uh we're just so thankful to have him on this team uh, folks give him a follow uh be excited like if you're gonna hit your wagon to a young superstar this is the one
1: yeah i, I agree with you i agree with you and uh hey against said, follow him and uh hey if you don't already get a ticket for the game this saturday because it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun show so one thing I was actually happy about, Cliff, and, you know, we, we've, had our, we, we, we've been lucky to be able to, you know, have certain, uh, you know, experiences given to us being Alouette fans and being Alouette season ticket holders, etc. Uh, one of the first things that we got to actually uh, experience this time around was uh, the Red Blacks fans on the field uh, experience, which was really, really mm-hmm. cool. Very similar to what you can get in Montreal. I mean, there are a few minor, you know, minor differences. I mean, uh, you know, for those of you Alouette fans who have been on the field before, I mean, you don't need don't need passes to get on the field because it's open to everybody. Um, you know, there don't seem to be any restrictions. And there's a time limit, which I think is actually pretty ingenious. So there's, a, I think there's a 30-minute time limit that you're able to go on the field, do whatever you want to do, talk to players. Uh, get autographs, uh, just play on the field if necessary, and you know while we were there again, we, we were able to talk to a few of the Alouettes, to congratulate them. Uh, ran into Herb Zerkowski, got to talk to him because I hadn't seen him in a little bit, um, and it, you know it was just a matter of oh and Cam also can't forget Cam, Cam the, the guy who happens to run the 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 boutique over there for the uh, for the Red Blacks, um, but it, it was you know I would say Cliff. If if you don't get to experience it in Montreal for whatever reason, and and my hope obviously is as I put out on social media, my plea to Alouettes president Meyer Ticini is the following: use this as a great example for what the Alouettes can do in 2023 and beyond to become more fan friendly. Why not allow mm-hmm. fans to, be, to come on the field? You know, uh, sounds pass. Don't worry about it. You know, because there don't seem to be any issues when it comes to how many people are allowed on the field. It still seems, you know, it seems to be a great idea, and you know, again, I know Cliff, you've been on the, been able to go on the field with the Alouettes over at Personal Molson, but, um, your thoughts on the, their initiative there in Ottawa?
0: No, it, it's really cool. I mean, I think it's great for Red Blacks fans to be able to go on the field afterwards, win or lose. I mean, I think people really enjoy that experience, to be able to get on the same playing field they just saw their their favorite team on. Uh, it's cool for also too for opposing fans because yeah, you, you get to interact too with your players too a little bit as as much as possible Mm -hmm. and the way they've got it set up i will admit is pretty great like they on the scoreboard they pretty much put a clock there and it counts down saying as you said tim i think they'll give you about a half hour to Mm -hmm. go on the field and do what you want to do there and you know have some fun with it and then after that 30 minutes is up they and the security will come along and gently escort you towards the exits, and you
1: know, with the whole "you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here" idea. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I definitely it, think it, it was like a wall of security guys, but st- that's what it looked like to me. But it, it was done really well. You know, nobody. It's like thirty minutes, guys. Thanks for coming. You know, hope to see you at the next game type of thing.
0: Yeah, and it's got to be great too for players too. Just uh, you know, even. Uh, even after a loss, too, I'm sure like Red Blacks players are obviously happy to see their families after the game and you know get those congratulations and thanks from fans as well. I mean it's it's a very cool experience and it's something that I honestly I don't see why each and every team doesn't do it like that. I mean it's to me it would really open things up. It's, some, it's definitely something that the NFL doesn't do and would never entertain the idea of. No, uh, but. For a a league like the CFL, which prides itself on being so fan friendly and so open with the players and the fans interacting with each other. I mean, yeah, I don't see why every team doesn't allow that. Like just, uh, you know, say, as you said, like 30 minutes after the game, you know, let everybody on. And then, uh, you know, when the time limit hits, then you politely escort them to the door Mm -hmm. and Make sure they, you know, had a good time and, you know, make sure they welcome them back to the next game and so on. I mean, this, you know, like I can understand for security purposes why the Alouettes operate on a system where you you have to have a pass. But I mean, why not just open it up to everybody? Like make that part of the fan experience. Make it part of the experience of going to see a game at Percival Molson is knowing that you, you watch the game. Hopefully it was a great game. And if you get on the field afterwards and get to interact with the players, even for just a little bit, to me, like that's a win-win. And Ottawa's got it down. They've, yes. they've got it down. Uh, fans, no matter what, I'm sure there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer for for Ottawa the past couple of years, but the fact that they've been able to do this again, because I know they took... They didn't do it in 2021 because of COVID, obviously. But the fact that they were allowing fans back on the field again has to be a huge win for them. And I'm sure fans definitely appreciate the fact that they can go on the field afterwards still and have that moment with with players and to be able to experience things from a player's perspective as far as being on the f- the same, the very same football field. So, yeah, to me, I would say, like, yes, the Alouettes should be doing something similar to this. And quite frankly, every CFL team, no matter where they are, Should be allowing their fans that kind of access, that kind of closeness with the players uh, that are there. And just to experience something like that would be a tremendous win for every single CFL team. So I sincerely hope in 2023 that other teams follow suit and make something like that happen. Like give something back to the fans that you want the fans to come back to each and every game. To me, that's a great way of doing it. That's a great way of letting fans know that they are appreciated, that they're not just uh, any pits for for football teams like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, we care about you. We we want you to care about these players, and we want you to come back to each and every game because you'll have that experience over and over again. To me, like that, that makes a lot of sense. So, here's hoping in 2023 that more teams follow suit with this. In fact, I hope all nine teams. Yep. Make, I do. make this a reality.
1: I think I think Ottawa's doing it right. I really do. I think uh, somebody reached out to me also. I think uh, Winnipeg's doing something similar to this too. I don't know the, the full you know rules and regulations to it, but I mean, and just let everybody on. Just let, every, let everybody on. That that's you want to be the most fan fr- one of the most fan friendly teams in sports. There you go, buddy. There you go. A Darius picking. What
0: do you know how much? I, uh, hold on. Yeah. Do you know how much it costs to do that. Do you know how much it costs a team to do that. Zero dollars and zero cents. There you go. There you, you go. Like, you already have you already no have security
1: cost. there. You already have security there. You already yeah,
0: pay so you got security there. They're 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 already earning their keep there. So, I mean, as long as they make sure people aren't too rowdy and anything like that, which again, that's what you pay security guards for. Yeah. I mean, and most people are just gonna bugger off and go home. And that's fine. If they want to go home, they can go home. But if they want to have that experience, let them do it. I, I'm telling you, it costs nothing. And it... Creates such a value for fans. Like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of people, if they've experienced it for the first time, were probably blown away, really excited, like yeah, I want to come back next time. The next time the Red Blacks are playing, I'm going to be there because I want to experience this again. This is so cool.
1: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, for do us, like, I'll do for, it too. I'll do it too. Yeah,
0: fans. Yeah. yeah,
1: and yeah, I'll do it again. Once the All like are there this, again, this, I'll do it again.
0: So exactly. So I mean, like I said this is. This is something that, like, for CFL fans, saying, "Well, it costs money to do this, cost money to do that." Well, guess what? This costs zero dollars and zero cents to do, but the return on investment is almost immeasurable. Yeah, it is well worth it. So, yeah, I agree. Um, if, if you want, if you want to bring the fans back, if you want to get people excited, this is the way to do it.
1: Uh, Adarius Pickett was rewarded this week, Cliff, as being named one of the players, uh, one of the players this week in the CFL. Obviously, uh, well deserved. You know, with his. Uh, uh you know he had 10 defensive tackles one on special teams and obviously that huge forced fumble um that that he returned for 16 yard for a 16 yard touchdown in the first quarter um i did not know this i guess i haven't been reading it i, I had no clue that De- Matt McDonigan Marshall Ferguson and, and Pierre Vercheval make that choice for the players of the week i had no clue i guess where have i been <laughs> well it's written in every press release that's what takes me for not you know that yeah, there we go for for me not reading every press release how, how
0: do you sit and break down stats the way you do and you don't
1: read that <laughs> well yeah i know i know bad tim not enough
0: numbers for you tim is that it, what it is
1: it, it, too many words it's <laughs> too, too many, many letters it, not it, enough numbers exactly too, <laughs> exactly uh big news this week um something that I don't know really. I don't think it really is much of a surprise. Um, you know, I saw what first I saw was the the picture that the Alouettes put out for their promo for the five reasons to come to the game this week. It's like, wait, why is this an SJ? Why was this an SJ picture, uh, SJ Green picture. Well, yes, I did read the entire thing, and then the press release came out. SJ Greencliffe is is signing a one day contract and is going to be retiring as a member of the Alouettes. Uh, very well deserved second player already this year to be doing just this thing. But to see SJ back, mm-hmm. in, see SJ back in town, is going to be so much fun to see him, uh, you know, end his career as a Montreal Alouette. Yeah, I mean,
0: yes. Uh, unfortunately, he did not play his entire CFL career in Montreal. He did kind of escape to go play for the Argos and win a Grey Cup there for them. But he did win two Grey Cups for Montreal and he arguably had a lot of great, great success as a member of the Alouettes. So for him to come back here and... Kind of close that chapter of his career. Of his career to retire as a member of the Alouettes is really great. I mean, I, I mean, I, I could sit for hours and talk about S.J. Green, how impactful of a player he was, mm-hmm. uh, how much he meant to those uh, back-to-back Grey Cup championship teams. Yep, and just phenomenal. Like the the stuff this guy was able to do on the field is just jaw-dropping.
1: And he's on our and wish list, obviously, for a future guest. That he's on our wish list for sure. And by the way, you're talking about reasons to remember S.J. Cliff. How about what has to be one of the best all-time catches in CFL history, that catch in the Canada Day game in uh, in 2010?
0: Oh, I mean, the game itself was just, you know, instant classic. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, that was the exclamation point. That two-point comfort that they had to get just to keep overtime going. And I honestly thought AC overthrew him, <laughs> but no, I guess there's no such thing as overthrowing SJ Green because wow, mm-hmm. the to to use his body the way that he did and just somehow stay in bounds for it to count, unfreaking believable. Like I I will never forget the first time I saw that. I dropped f bombs like it was crazy. Like I, I I lost my. Sh- let me tell you, folks. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those plays.
1: Yeah, it's one of those plays that you remember where you were when you saw it.
0: And my goodness, is SJ ever gotten so much mileage out of that? I mean, you, you see the highlight reels. Uh, he actually released a cap from New Era featuring that pose of his, that that outstretched pose on on a hat. And someone actually tweeted on uh, on Twitter today. So someone actually got their arm tattooed. that pose. Tattooed on their arm. I know. Crazy. I saw it. It's, it's, it's beauts. It really is, man. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, like, don't tell me that SJ Green is not uh an impact player. When someone is getting that inked on their arm, I mean, you know you've made it. In fact, even SJ was like, Where did you get that done? I will do that this weekend. So, uh, I don't know if this was done in a, in a Montreal tattoo parlor, but I mean, if that tattoo artist is listening, I think you got a customer lying in wait. So.
1: Yeah, I I'd actually <laughs> missed goodness. I'd missed uh, Sj's response on on socials. So that that's dude, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: he 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 was hype. He was, he was like, wow. I think he I, I can only imagine his reaction. And you know, Sj is one of those cool cats too. Like you know, like he doesn't strike me as one of those guys that gets like super hyped over something. But I had to imagine like just. When he f- opened up his uh, phone and he saw that, he, he had to be losing his mind. That someone actually went to the trouble of getting that tattooed on themso- themselves. Mm-hmm. Incredible. yeah so I agree. Um, uh, all, and again, the fact that SJ would make catches like that and just make all kinds of plays happen. I mean, listen, the, the, as I said, we, we could talk about SJ for hours. And I'm hoping that we will have the opportunity to do that and have him on the show to talk about moments like this. And to know that he's going to be in Montreal, he's going to sign his one-day contract and hopefully get that uh, the crowd to you know salute him one more time and be able to say thank you again for everything. Man, I'm excited. I, I was already excited for the game this uh, this Saturday, but uh, even more excited knowing, knowing that SJ Green is going to be there to properly say goodbye to Montreal and thank everybody for such an outstanding career.
1: Agreed. And also, if you don't have goosebumps already, you're going to get them pre-game. Because we have our annual CF-18 plane flyover. Oh, oh man. Just, uh, and I know people have gone to Grey Cup, and we know what we're talking about. In, in any of the city where you've done it to, where they just fly by, it just goes through your body, and it just gets you hyped, man. So, you know, the Alouettes have already been oh, pr- yeah. pr- been promoting this, that it is going to be occurring. So don't freak out, but it is going to be occurring. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't. Now, is this going to be? Because um, they didn't make any official announcement for it. I mean, usually when we have a the flyover, it's usually a a Mil- military, military appreciation day. Yeah, they haven't said anything about this. Not
0: officially, no. So I I, I guess they realize okay, well, we haven't done a flyover and we haven't really had a. So I don't know if they're going to try and shoehorn that into like because this is – there's like they had fan appreciation day already mm-hmm. and. We're getting a playoff game, so I mean it's not the last game of the year at Percival Molson Stadium, but I guess well they gotta f- figure it out somehow. They're like, oh the hell with it, just fly over for this game, or <laughs> well, yeah. whatever. You know, yeah, who needs I, a reason? It's, it's a almost like, it's a
1: yearly tradition too. It's a yearly tradition for Montreal too. Uh, tailgates back, obviously we had it last week with the uh, last home game with the uh, with the uh, with Thanksgiving Day game. Um, Five dollar tickets for kids. Uh, it's another family day game. Have they made any announcements yet on where they are with tickets because man as i said you know 2 weeks ago we need to get we need to get over 21k we need to get 22k we need to get 20 we need to get close to whatever capacity is now currently at Personal Molson
0: Well i'm hoping i'm really hoping now that the Alouettes have clinched the playoff spot and now that we know that there's going to be a playoff game at Personal Molson in November i hope that fans will flock and maybe even with the announcement of SJ Green being back to retire officially as an alouette i'm hoping that will give a bump as well to anyone that's kind of on the fence about going to the game i mean it's a saturday game so i mean as far as i'm concerned there's no excuse not to go a saturday afternoon I, I mean the weather might be a little chilly but you know what you'll wear a sweater you'll wear a jacket it's you, supposed you, to be 18 up.
1: degrees that kick off
0: oh okay then then there's no excuse like get your ass to the stadium and <laughs> watch the alouettes <laughs> they need your help people
1: so yeah um, I mean, yeah, because it, it was, yeah, it, w- it was, chi- you know, it was chilly in Ottawa, I will admit. Um, but yeah, this, if it's 18 to kick off, I, I can't complain, dude. I can't complain at all.
0: My God. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, for, for late October, that is fan freaking tastic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so I, there's a lot of good reasons to come to this game. And I, I sincerely hope that once again, the Alouettes break that 20K mark and, and be go beyond. I mean, I would love to see an honest to goodness sellout at this game.
1: I would love to too. I really would. Um, a few um, as we're taping, there actually were a a few changes to within the roster itself. Uh, Jerry Howard Jr. was signed on the 18th uh, and was placed on the active roster, but then was placed on the suspended list. So maybe he can't get here in time. I don't know. It, it's so confusing when it comes to these things on the on the CFL transactions page. Um, and we also picked up a Jacob... Is it Jacob Zott? Uh, Jacob Zott, yes. Yeah, uh, O-Lyman from McMaster. He was placed... It looked like he was placed on the uh, on the practice roster just by based on what the action was. Because so, usually mm-hmm. it, if somebody gets cut, it's not listed as add to free agent. It's usually listed as... Removed, signed, then free agent.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Right, and let's not, let's not forget this is also a national O lineman. So that's one of those things, especially going into the playoffs, that uh, you don't want to be caught short, especially with the injury to t- Sean Jameson, who is a national player. I, I know the Elways had to do a little bit of wiggling and jiggling uh, to make uh, make the ratio work, especially with uh, Phil Potton taking over for Reggie White. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get creative with the roster. So I mean, now you've got to. You know, find a way to to replace Sean Jameson, which again, easier said than done. But uh, you know, doesn't hurt to have an extra national O lineman on on the on the roster. So uh, let's see what Jacob Sott can do. And uh, yeah, I'm you know, what what better time than to uh, come join the Alouettes than just before they play. The,
1: a playoff game, exactly. Iowa uh, also made some some roster changes and releasing three players: uh, Jalen Alex. These are all nationals. Uh, Jalen Alexander, Rashad Harding, and Felix Harper were all released uh, a couple days ago. I think it's something that uh, had been rumored was going to be happening. they were going to the Owls are going to be making some other changes, uh, some minor changes to the roster. But um, I don't think did any of them get any playing time in Montreal. Nope. No. Also, another thing too which we didn't see at all he didn't make yes he was on the active roster but Coles Cole, Cole speaker didn't uh, speaker didn't make any any catches it didn't look like he even got into the game versus Ottawa uh actually he did oh did he
0: he was it was uh he was on specials
1: nice there we go okay
0: it didn't do anything of note unfortunately but I mean he he definitely played
1: Yeah. and also one thing too I've been watching I don't think it's it's really that much of a deal at the moment um but um uh, Davis Alexander has been limited in practice this week because uh, of an. Uh, I think they listed as an arm issue.
0: I have I seen shoulder, but
1: oh, was a shoulder. Yeah. Sorry, it was shoulder. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the correction. Which yeah. so.
0: uh, Which interesting because he also didn't play. I mean, he dressed for the game but did not play. So I don't know if he hurt his shoulder from you know fist pumping you know in victory, but
1: <laughs> could be practice. Though. I hope not. I mean, remember <laughs> what happened to Va. This is true. This is true. So.
0: So, uh, yes, injuries can occur at any time, so uh mm-hmm. you know, but uh, hopefully nothing too serious for Davis Alexander because you know, this is a a young man that you know, I I re- was really hoping would get some reps in these later parts. I mean, I guess it all depends on if Montreal was able to you know, be dominant and you know, w- run away with the division, which unfortunately no team really truly has been able to do that in the East, but uh it would be nice to see Davis Alexander get some some reps at quarterback, but Will he? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens in Toronto.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so to set it up, Alouettes have the next two games, a home-and-home home versus the Toronto Argonauts. If they win both games, the Alouettes will clinch the Eastern Division title and will host the East Final. If they lose one of the two games, they will host the Eastern semifinal. final uh, The dates of those games will be November 6th or November 13th. Both games are on Sundays and they are at 1 p.m., um, the line I saw and we still don't know who the go ahead.
0: and we still don't know who the Elwets would be playing if they were to host the Eastern semifinal because, as I said, there's still <laughs> there's still numerous scenarios where either Saskatchewan, Hamilton, or even Ottawa, believe it or not, could get into the playoffs and end up playing in that Eastern semifinal. Still, a few things have to fall into place. Uh, maybe by the end of this weekend, we'll have a better idea, a little bit better idea. Maybe it'll be a little more clear. But as it stands right now, folks, there still is a playoff spot up for grabs, and one of three teams is going to get it. Whether or not they deserve it, that's another story. But <laughs> I mean, that's just what this season has been all about this year. It's just craziness, just mm-hmm. absolute craziness when it comes to the Eastern Division.
1: Oh yeah, no kidding. And uh, the line was up here earlier on five dimes, but it's not up here now. But I think the last time I checked, the Alouettes were were was they a one point underdog? I'm trying to remember what it was, but because it, it's not up here anymore, Cliff, do you do you have the, the the latest line?
0: I do not. I mean, I can check another website. You keep going to five dimes. Yeah, but, uh, I'm sure there's others that tell us.
1: Yeah, because it was just here yeah, up here. Check. It was up here earlier tonight, so I don't I don't know why it's all of a sudden gone. But you know, it is what it is. But. um yeah, uh, so,
0: the li- lines can change at a moment's notice, but I don't know if uh, there's anything that was done to possibly suggest. Uh, let's see. According to Bet Regal, uh, Is the
1: game not out there either. Regal's not.
0: Tell this website is garbage.
1: <laughs> but I mean, yeah. It,
0: uh, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Montreal is, uh, or sorry, tr- Toronto was favored by a point and a half.
1: Okay, and is there an over under? Doesn't
0: even get the the. Over under right now is sitting at forty-eight and a
1: half. Okay. All right. So obviously and it is a huge, no- ma- huge, huge matchup for these two teams. Um, you know, Alouettes should have had a win earlier in the year in Toronto, but because of a, wow, a very bad kick to, for a winning field goal went wide. The Alouettes lost the game at, at BMO. Uh, this, this game's going to be huge considering the toronto team that's coming in made a hell of a comeback versus the uh, the edmonton elks this past week.
0: Oh my goodness, that was you you talk about entertaining football. That in itself was entertaining because you could tell the elks were trying so hard to finally break that that record of futility that that losing streak at home. And toronto obviously wanted to win and cement themselves further in the in the playoffs. But I mean, it was Definitely one of those seesaw matches as well. And you just, you know, playing all 60 minutes, which was incredible. In fact, think about it. Like all four games this this past week were nail biters, like really came down to the last couple of plays. Uh, I mean, like there was no no blowouts, no nothing that uh, like it was just really good football, all things considered.
1: No, I, I agree. And that that's obviously what we're hoping for here, you know, with a little bit of home cooking for the Alouettes and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's it just goes to show that just like with the Alouettes, you can make the adjustments that you need in the second half and you can just come back and, and, and play just an amazing game. And that's – these games are going to be entertaining, dude. That's all I can say. These games are going to be very entertaining. And I'm actually happy to have this – I'm gonna actually going to ask you. I'm happy to have the first game of the two-game series in Montreal – for you, is that what you would think too, or would you rather have the 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 last game of the two games set in Montreal? I don't think it really matters,
0: but I I can kind but of wonder like now we know what the scenario is. I mean, one would hope that Montreal would be amped up, knowing that they're playing in front of their hometown fans and knowing that they've got a win to keep the party going. And as as we said, go one and oh every week. And that's what Montreal has to do. That really truly is what they have to do is go one and O this week. And I suppose if, well, here's the thing. I want to believe that they're going to be hyped playing in front of their fans, but, and they're supposed to be hyped playing in front of their fans on Thanksgiving day. And look how that turned out. So it really just does come down to how bad do they want it. And this team, as we've seen all year, there's been lots of highlights and lowlights. I mean, you just almost don't know which team is going to show up. And I guess that's part of the fun a part of the thrill. But at the same time, at this point, you you, you should know what your team is at this point. And I still don't know if we really truly know what this Alwet's team is. Are they a good team or are they just good enough? And I don't know if a win will necessarily determine that. It all depends on the win. depends on how convincing the win is, but... Simply put, Montreal has to show up this week for sure. They, they can't dog it because at that point, if they do, then you pretty much know that they're, they're just content to make it. And I think that's what it was last year with the Alouettes. They kind of fell ass backwards into the playoffs and they were just content to be there.
1: Yeah, don't remind but, me and, of that
0: Ottawa game. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to. Like, if, if they turn in an effort like that against Toronto, then you know the only difference is, okay, we don't have to go on the road and play that Eastern semifinal game, but you can't rest on your laurels, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I want to believe that this team realizes that and won't play. Like, they're just happy to be there. I think they're glad they got the W last week against Ottawa. They know they're going to have a home playoff game. It's just a matter of, are they now at that point where, like, we we don't want just a home playoff game. We want the home playoff game. We want that advantage. We want to be able to say the road to the Grey Cup will go through the La Belle Provence. And if they can do that, if they can set that tone and make Toronto earn a victory at home. Yeah. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to is you got to draw the line in the sand and say, this is our house, we are defending the nest, and we want to win. And if they get that win, <laughs> it makes the stakes even higher going to BMO Field next week. And that's what we want. We want to see good competitive football. We want to see a team that is excited to be in the playoffs and inspired and hopefully the fans will come out and be just as inspired by this team. Really, truly, like that's that's what I want to see. And that's what I hope I will see on Saturday, is a team that is inspired and ready to fight and ready to prove that they are that team that we think that they are, that they claim to be. I want to see it. I know you want to see it. I think the fans that are going to be coming to the game on Saturday, they want to see it too. So I'm hoping that this team, this, this good team that we keep thinking that they are, will show up. And
1: prove us, prove us to be right. Exactly, should be fun. I mean, going up against Macbeth, he, he surprises you. He really, really does. But I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I'm curious to see if they, the Alowitz will make any changes to the actual roster itself. We won't see the uh, the depth chart until Friday. Um, but still, um, you know what? And I was saying before, I'd rather have this game here because in many game, in many seasons in the past, Cliff, where we've had a nothing game for the last game of the season in Montreal, it, oh, I'd rather have something to play for. I'm just so pumped that we got this game here uh, this Saturday.
0: Yeah, like I said, they, they, they play this game properly. They come out with a win. They know full well, okay, we go to Toronto. We came so close to winning that first game way back in July. Was it July or June? June, sorry. Came, it was literally a missed field goal was the difference mm-hmm. between winning and losing. Yeah, and I, I I know they will. They have to remember that. They have to realize. Okay, we 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 had a great opportunity. We can win on this field. We know we've got the talent to be able to do it. Now it's just a matter of showing it. Yeah, and it all starts on Saturday. Like I, I want to see them set the tone for the next two weeks on Saturday. Yep, I agree. As this team can do that.
1: Yep, I know it doesn't uh, mean I anything too. But I, I know it doesn't mean anything when it comes to to numbers and stuff like that because they're just numbers. But the Alouettes have won the last seven of eight in Montreal and have won the last six in a row. So there,
0: I mean, that's like history favors the Alouettes in this one. So it's just a matter of now they've got to go and make their own history. And and it all starts on Saturday. Like I said, the next two weeks is basically the rest of your season. Let's see what this team can do. We know they're going to play in the playoffs. We know the Argos are going to be in the playoffs. Now it's just a matter of who wants to be the top dog, who wants to be the one on top hosting that Eastern final, and who's going to end up playing in the semifinal. Yep. We'll see what happens.
1: I agree. We are pumped for this game. We're pumped to see you at Percival Molson this Saturday. Uh glorious weather, cheering on the Alouettes and and hopefully get that win. And you know what? As Cliff was saying before, uh making it a one game takes all for the Eastern Division. That could be fun. Uh, we will be back here next week, obviously, to talk about the result and heading into the pl- heading into that season finale. Uh, and then into the playoffs. But we really appreciate appreciate you. We thank you for joining us every week, and we will be back next week, obviously, to talk about the Alouettes and what's and hey, leading up to the leading up to those Grey Cup playoffs. So, Cliff, I will see you there, my friend, and we hope to see you guys here back next week. So, for everybody here at the Alouettes, flight deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. One final approach. Tingo!